transparent about your sins, okay? So be secretive about your good deeds, but transparent about your sins. And what we're going to see in this passage of Scripture and in this deep talk and in Jesus' interaction with, with Judas is that Judas has some things going on that are under the surface that no one knows about, okay? Peter does some things arguably that are worse, but everybody knows about it, and people have been talking about it for the last 2,000 years. Peter's sins, Peter's shortcomings, his foibles, his failures, they're like on full display, okay? Judas, he's got some stuff going on underneath the surface that doesn't get exposed until it's tragic, and that's a, that's a danger. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read uh, John chapter 13. We'll read verses 18 to 35. Lord, uh, I just want to thank you for your word. And as we read your word, Lord, this is uh, the, the anytime we talk about Judas, it's, it's a heavy conversation. Uh, we don't see any indication of that story ending on a positive note. Uh, but Lord, it's in scripture because your desire is to point us to you. And so I just pray that as we read your word, that we would hear your voice for whatever that means in our own personal lives. We all come from different uh, backgrounds, and we've all got different things we're facing in our lives. And so I just pray that we would hear you, and we would be able to apply what you're saying to our lives, uh, and that we would recognize that, that it's you speaking to us, that you're actually beckoning us and drawing us in. And may we respond, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So John chapter 13, we're going to read 18 to 35. So we finished last week at verse 17, where Jesus finishes. He washes the feet of the disciples. It's a powerful uh, scene where Jesus is doing the act of a slave and washing his disciples' feet. We talked about how if we're going to be a part of the community of Jesus, we have to be willing to be washed by him. And it's a humbling thing. And Jesus washes Judas' feet. And immediately after the, the foot washing, this is, this is where we're picking up. So Jesus says, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I've chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. You know, this phrase about Jesus being troubled in his spirit, it only happens a handful of times in the Gospel of John, and it usually has something to do with Jesus being troubled over someone he loves in a situation that is really difficult. This phrase shows up when, when Lazarus dies, and right before Jesus resurrects Lazarus in John chapter 11, it talks about how he was troubled in his spirit. He was deeply troubled to the point of shedding tears. And then here, in, while it's talking about Judas, it talks about Jesus being troubled in his spirit. And you've got to realize, like, and, and I don't know how you read scripture or how you picture it, but Jesus had spent three years with his disciples. And, and more than just the, the 12 that are mentioned, there was a group of disciples, uh, men and women that followed Jesus around, that were there for some of the teachings that not the whole, the, the crowds weren't, weren't there for. And he had grown close to them. And, and uh, this is just something I'd, I'd encourage you to think about. But at what moment do you think Jesus realized that Judas was going to betray him? It's a good question to, to ponder, right? And the scripture doesn't tell us at what moment 
he became aware of the fact that it was Judas who would betray him. There's a scriptural prophecy that one of the inner circle, one of those close to him would betray him. But the scriptures don't tell us that at what moment that was. And so it's likely that Jesus is doing life with these disciples and loving them and washing their feet and serving them and teaching them to go out and do miracles and proclaim his word. And then all of a sudden he realizes who it is that's going to betray him. Have you ever had somebody super close to you betray you or turn on you and just experience the pain of that and maybe felt misunderstood and like people don't get it? Like Jesus does. More than you realize. Jesus had close, intimate relationships. He, he's fully God, but he's also fully human. And that's the thing that we, we maybe don't think about a whole lot, but he's like, he's fully human. He's got these relationships, people that he trusts, people that he knows, people that he does life with. And then he's got someone like Judas in his inner circle who betrays him, and he's deeply troubled at this. Jesus was troubled in his spirit, and he testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another uncertain of whom he spoke. One of the disciples whom Jesus loved, who, by the way, is never named. Most people think that's John, but it's, it's never actually named in the Gospel of John who this is, whom Jesus loved, the, the one that Jesus loved, was reclining at table with, at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. And so... I've got three key takeaways from this. And the first one is that Judas could be any one of us. I think that all three of them are probably up there. So Judas could be any one of us. Uh, I don't, and maybe you've thought about Judas, maybe you haven't. I don't know what, what, you know, how much thought you've put into Judas and his betrayal of Jesus. Uh, some people believe Judas uh, was destined to betray Jesus. Okay, and that's a legitimate interpretation that people have. I don't actually believe Judas had to betray Jesus. It's interesting, and I want to show you this. In, in chapter 13, right before Jesus washes the feet of the disciples, it said, and this will be up on the screen, verse 2, it says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So before Jesus washes the feet, we are told that Satan put this temptation into the heart of Judas. And then he goes through the meal. And, and you know, if you study the way that the meal, uh, like a meal like that would have happened in those days and the seating arrangements, it's really likely that Judas was seated to the left of Jesus in this seat of honor. Because when Jesus has a conversation with Judas, he has this private conversation and the disciples don't quite catch everything that's being said. And you can see that from what we read later. They're confused when Jesus says, go do what you're going to do and Judas leaves. Right? And so he's having this conversation. So he's got Judas likely on his left, and he's got the disciple that he loves on his right. Okay? So these two positions of honor. And it's likely Judas is there. So throughout the whole meal, Judas is in this position of honor, and he's wrestling with this temptation. In verse 2, it says that it was put into his heart to betray Jesus. But then it's not till verse 27, and this will be on the screen. It says, then after he had taken the morsel, so this is like 
way later, okay, after the foot washing, after Jesus gives some really great instructions uh, to them about serving each other, verse 27 says, then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him, right? So, so Judas has this temptation in his heart, and then Jesus at some point realizes who it is that's going to betray him, and the scriptures are clear, like somebody close to Jesus was going to betray him. There are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus, his life, these kinds of things, who was going to betray him, what, what was going to happen at the cross. Uh, and so this was going to happen, but I don't believe that Judas was forced to do this. The reason I, I, I put this in here as Judas could be any one of us is because we've all battled with temptation at some point in our lives. And every time, when you read the scriptures, every time somebody repents, God relents. You know, there's, there's a story in the Old Testament of this king that a prophet was sent to go tell him. It was, uh, the king was Jehoshaphat, and this prophet goes and says, you're going to die. And he gets a word from God. He says, you're going to die because of your sin. And then the prophet leaves, and he's, and he's on his way out of the palace. He's going down the staircase, and Jehoshaphat repents, and he says, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for what I've done. He humbles himself, and God says to the prophet, no, actually, I've changed, I've changed this. I'm going to give him 15 more years to live. Like, every time somebody repents, there's this response from God. So I don't believe Judas had to go through with this, and that's why we see in verse 2, like, he's got this temptation that he's wrestling with, and Satan doesn't enter him until he takes the bread that Jesus gives him, and he solidifies his plan. It was like he, he hardens his heart against Jesus. And did you notice also, so again, Judas could be any one of us, but did you notice that when Jesus announced to the room that somebody would betray him, everybody was confused. They're all looking around, and, and they don't know who it is. So Judas obviously has done a really good job of looking like a really upstanding part of that group. So Judas is like, you know, he's, he's, he's one of the upstanding members of the inner circle of Jesus. And so when Jesus says someone's going to betray me, you'd think if Judas was this shady guy that they were all suspicious of, they would have been like, definitely going to be Judas, right? <laughs> like, guy's a loser. Like, and we don't even find out until, until later that Judas would have actually been stealing money Right? But the disciples, they obviously didn't know this. Right? And, so they're, and, and in Matthew's gospel, when this same story is told in the, in the gospel of Matthew, the, the, the disciples, you know how they respond? They go around the room and they say, is it I? And, and I think that that's a mark of having spent time with Jesus. So it's a really profound thought. Like You've got this, this, this group of disciples and Jesus says, one of you will betray me. When, when you and I are accused of something, usually our first response is defense. No, 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 it's not me. But you've got these people that have spent three years with Jesus. Their defenses are down. They've just spent three years with the perfect one. They've just spent three years with the Messiah. They've just spent three years with somebody who never drops the ball, who never makes any mistakes. So when he says to them, one of you is going to do this evil deed, they're like, is it me? And I really think that's a mark of someone who spent time with Jesus is that you and I, like, we're fully aware of our failures and shortcomings. We'd be quick to go, yeah, I guess I, I, could, have, I could mess up. Right? So there's, there's something to this that Judas could be any one of us. To be a Judas, and this will be on the screen, to be a Judas is to insist on your own will above the will of God. 
So to be a Judas is to insist on your own will above the will of God. Okay, so Judas could be any one of us. Secondly, and this part, I've wrestled with this, and I still wrestle with it. still wrestle with the, the implications of it. Uh, Judas was given permission from Jesus to carry out his plan. You catch that? Jesus is having this conversation. He reveals, okay, it's Judas that's going to betray me. And then Jesus says to him, he says, what you're going to do, go do quickly. For me, this this part of it, I, I say I wrestle with it, but it also scares me. I want to give you this to think about. Don't mistake God's permission for God's blessing. Okay, so don't, whatever you do in your life, don't mistake God's permission for his blessing. There are a lot of scriptural examples. Romans 1 talks about God giving the people over to their evil desires, basically saying, go ahead. He's given them over to these evil desires that have festered in their hearts, and he, it's like giving permission for some things that, that actually would, would bring destruction to their lives. I used the example of uh, Jehoshaphat earlier. There's another story in 1 Kings chapter 22 uh, with Ahab, the evil Israelite king. You all remember Ahab? He's the guy that's married to Jezebel, and you've probably heard that name. Uh, well, Ahab and Jehoshaphat, they, they, they get into this alliance, and they want to go into battle, and it's something God doesn't want them to do. But Ahab, is this, he's this really evil king, and he has set his heart on doing some things that are totally against the will of God. And if you look at 1 Kings chapter 22, there's this really puzzling passage of Scripture where God sends these lying spirits into the mouths of the prophets to tell Ahab what he wants to hear. And then Ahab goes off and does this thing that actually leads to his own death. But he hears from these prophets of God, yeah, go ahead. And, God, and, there's, and if you read 1 Kings 22, it's kind of puzzling. Like, why did God allow that, right? And, and, and another example, you know the story of Balaam with the donkey that talks? Anybody ever experienced that, by the way? Your cat or your dog just starts talking? <laughs> If you do, I want to I hear about that. Um, but in Numbers chapter 22, Balaam, he, he gets asked, okay? So Balaam is this, this, this seer, this person that can connect with God in some way. Uh, and he's asked by this foreign Gentile king to curse the people of Israel, right? And so this foreign king comes to Balaam and says, hey, we're going to offer you a whole bunch of money, and we just want you to curse God's people. And so Balaam says, well, hold on, I'll go ask God about that, Right? So, so, so Balaam goes off and he prays and asks God, like, hey, God, you know those people you love? Like, can I just curse them? <laughs> right? And God's like, no. So he says no to Balaam very, in very strong terms. And then the king comes back with more money and more dignified people and says, Balaam, would you ask God again? And this, again, this is a really puzzling story. I still wrestle with it. But when Balaam goes back to God, God says, go ahead. And then when Balaam goes to go ahead, he almost is killed by this angel of the Lord, and he's saved by a talking donkey. Okay, if you didn't think the Bible is interesting, it is. Read it, okay? I'm not going to tell you more about the story. But the point of that is that in that story, God gives permission to Balaam to go and do something that is against his will, but then Balaam is, is reprimanded, he's punished for it. And so in the story, this is a theme in Scripture. It's not, it doesn't just show up in the story of Judas where you're like, well, why did Jesus say go ahead? Like, in the scripture, we see this theme where 
people are given permission by God for things. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's God's blessing. So don't mistake God's permission for God's blessing. Have you ever, have you ever done that? You don't have to answer out loud, but have you ever had your heart set on something and you, you were so set on it that, that you were just, you were going to make sure you heard yes from God. And eventually you had some sign or you felt some peace or there was some go ahead or you found somebody that was like, yeah, do it. But, but it didn't turn out good. Like this is a theme in scripture. And, I, and it's something I wrestle with because I, I have become more and more convinced of my own weakness and I'm like, God, I just, I just want to hear from you. Like, I, I know I make mistakes. I know I step off the track that you've laid out for me sometimes. And, and the reason I wrestle is because sometimes I wish God would just force me to do the right thing. Okay? Like, I just wish sometimes God would, like, turn me into some sort of, like, robotic version of Nathan where he's like, I'm going to make you do my, my will. But he actually gives us this ability to, to, to make choices, sometimes stupid choices. So... If, and here's the, the warning with this point, whatever you do, and I say this from, from love as, as a pastor, like, don't mistake God's permission for God's blessing. Like, be somebody that looks for the blessing of God, not just the permission, not just the go ahead, but like, God, is this something that you're in? Is this, is, am I being led by your spirit? Is this something that you desire? Is this in line with your will? Don't mistake God's permission for his blessing. And then, the last truth from this is that, and this, I think, uh, will be convicting for a lot of us, Judas nursed a secret, sinful desire alone. It was under the surface, and it was not exposed until it was too late. James chapter 1, verses 13 to 15 Judas' story is like a picture. It's an illustration of what this is talking about. In James chapter 1, it says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted, this is, catch this, when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Aren't we lured and enticed by our own desire? Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Okay, maybe you've read that before. That is a perfect description of what we see happen with Judas. And so Judas, he, as I mentioned, he sat in the seat of honor. He was the treasurer in the, in the group of, of people that, that followed Jesus. Nobody, and I'm, I am very convinced of this, nobody expected Judas to be the one that would betray Jesus. You know, like, he, he had lived in such a way that his church or his community saw him as an upstanding person. So whenever he had evil desires or, or struggles or things that were going on in his mind and heart, it wasn't something that he was open about. It wasn't something that he opened it up to the rest of the group. It was something that he nursed in secret under the surface. You know, I've seen tons of examples of Jesus followers that were, were going along following Jesus and it looked like everything was just great and fantastic and then all of a sudden there's this crazy departure from Jesus or a moral failure or their lives fall apart in some way. And I'm convinced that if we were looking and taking the words that, that, that were given in the scripture seriously, 
then we could avoid some of that because there's warnings in here about how to live when you've got evil secret desires going on in your heart. And the comparison, and we're going to get into Peter next week, but the comparison is, is if you think about Peter, Peter was this person that like he, everything he did was out in the open and most of it was dumb. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm so encouraged by the life of Peter because I'm like, man, if that guy can follow Jesus and be close to him and things can be made right, then I, I guess there's hope for me, right? But Peter arguably is worse. Like, not only does Peter deny Jesus, which we'll talk about next week, but he's also, when, when he's denying him, he's in the courtyard and Jesus is on trial and there's this scene where it talks about, he's like, he's asked, don't you know Jesus? And he denies him and then he starts cursing and swearing. This is the guy that the church is like founded on right? And, and he's just this, this mess. And there's another story in, in uh, Mark's gospel, and this is where I think there's some similarity between Jesus and Peter, and I really want you to catch this. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, uh, a suggestion as to why I think Judas did what he did, and it was similar to Peter. So in Mark's gospel, chapter 8 and 9, Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to go to the cross. I am going to suffer and die. So for any Jewish man at that time who had grown up studying the Torah, because Jewish men at that time all had to study the first five books of the Bible, had to have it memorized, their thoughts were that there was a Messiah that was going to come that was going to give them like political victory. And Peter could not wrap his mind around the possibility of Jesus going to a cross to die in open shame. It just did not make sense to him. So in Mark's gospel... Peter, after Jesus says this, Peter goes to, to Jesus and he's like, no, no, you can't, you can't go to the cross. He rebukes Jesus. And do you remember, anybody remember what Jesus says to him? Anybody remember? Get behind me, Satan. So Peter's like, no, you can't go to the cross. Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus comes right out and calls him Satan. Like, how embarrassing would that have been to all of Peter's friends, right? He thought he was doing something cool, like, Jesus, no, we're going to protect you. We're going to defend you. You shouldn't go to the cross. We'll stick up. And then he gets called Satan by the master, Pretty humbling, puts his foot in his mouth, right? Judas, uh, there's, there's a couple different reasons why people think Judas betrayed Jesus. One of them is that there was money involved. He was the treasurer. We know he stole money because that comes out later. I don't think that was the full reason why Jesus, Judas betrayed Jesus. I really believe Judas was trying to force Jesus' hand. He, J- Judas couldn't wrap his mind around like, like, what do you mean you want us to get down on our knees and wash people's feet? What do you mean you're going to give up your life and die? Like, you're supposed to be the one that saves Israel from this Roman oppression. You're the one that's supposed to save us and deliver us. Like, you can't die. And so Judas, I believe, what he was trying to do was to force Jesus' hand. If he could go betray Jesus and and the authorities were going to show up, then Judas, I think, thought that his followers were going to defend him and Jesus would be set on the throne and he'd be the king of Israel and that Israel would, would gain its independence. And when that plan fell through, Judas took his own life because he was ashamed when Jesus went to the cross, Judas took his own life. It was, he realized that what he was trying to accomplish didn't happen. But the difference, okay, and this is what I want to really uh, make clear. The difference between Peter and Judas is that Judas has this secret plan, this secret inner desire for something that is sinful that is under the surface that no one knows about. That's the danger. Peter's arguably worse, but it's all out in the open. And so when Peter gets called on it, he can... He can change course. He can repent. But Judas has been nursing this thing under the surface. No one knows about it. Nobody can call him out on it. Nobody can say you're wrong because it was, it was hidden. And the, and the scary thing about this is that 
God allows for us to keep things hidden and secretive. And here's how I want to end this today. And like I said, this, this is a bit heavier. Next week, I want to talk about application as far as how we can be a little bit more like Peter and, and bring change and turn from things. Uh, but with Judas, there's no indication that there's redemption at the end of the story because things were secretive. And, and I just want to ask this morning, are, are you the type of person that's willing to be transparent? And, and I don't mean like hard on your sleeve where you tell everybody everything that's going on in your life. Like sometimes that's not wise. Sometimes it's just not wise to tell everybody what's going on in your life. But do you have people in your life that you are willing to maybe look stupid in front of? You know, we can kind of laugh at Peter and I constantly am encouraged by him. But I love the story of Peter because it's redemptive and there's hope at the end. Whereas with Judas, when the secret stuff gets revealed, it actually leads to this destruction. And so are, are you willing to, to let some things out that may be hidden? I'm going to invite the, the team to come back up. We're going to close with, with a couple songs. And I just want to put that, that slide back up, Jacob, where, they got, where I have the three, the three points on there. So Judas, Judas could have been any one of us, right? All of us have temptation and things we wrestle with. And I believe God gives us an opportunity to turn from those things. Secondly, Judas was given permission by Jesus to carry out this evil plan. Don't, whatever you do, don't mistake God's permission for God's blessing. And then third, Judas nursed an evil, sinful desire in secret. As we talk about this, are there some things that go on in your heart and mind that the Lord's been speaking to you about or convicting you of that maybe you've got to confess it. Maybe you've got to bring it out into the open. Maybe it starts with just prayer. Maybe you haven't even said it to God. Maybe you haven't even had an opportunity just to, to, to kneel down and start to confess these things to Jesus. And then maybe he'll lead you to, to talk to somebody and, and, and pray through it. But is the Lord illuminating some of those things this morning? And then lastly, if you're here today and you're not a Jesus follower, as always, like, we talk about the words of Jesus. We, there's this authority to it. There's this power to it. This isn't my opinion. I've said some things in this sermon that are uh, my opinion. I'm giving you a perspective. But the words of Jesus here and what he's teaching us through this lesson, this isn't opinion. It's God's word that has a way to change and transform our lives. And so are you hearing the voice of Jesus this morning? Is he speaking to you? If you're, if you're here today and you're not a follower of his, if you haven't surrendered, is, is, to morning, is this morning... Uh, the time to do that, just to surrender to him. If so, I encourage you to, um, to do that. Invite Jesus into your life. Confess some things and surrender to him as Lord and Savior. Um, and and the, the altars are always open. If you're, ever, if you're ever talking about scripture like this and the Lord speaks something to you and you just want to come forward and, and pray, uh, you're welcome to do that. But I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll sing these last couple songs. Let's stand together if, if you're able and pray. Lord, I just, I just want to thank you for your word. Um, the story of Judas, it is convicting and it's sobering. There's some mystery in here. Why, Jesus, why you said to Judas, go ahead. Why you said that to Balaam. We, we don't 
we don't always know all of the reasons. We don't see everything from your, your perspective. But what we do see from your word is that sometimes you say, go ahead, you give permission for things that we've set our hearts on. And so, Lord, if there's things in our hearts that we've, we've set as a, as a desire, something that we're going to chase after that's not in line with your will, would you speak to us this morning, Lord? Just bring us into a place of willingness to just to say along with Jesus and how he taught us to pray, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And, would, and Lord, would you start with us? Would you uh, start by enacting your will in our lives, Lord? I just pray for your blessing on everyone here. Thank you that we can gather. Thank you that we can worship you. Thank you that we can sing these songs. And we just pray that you would continue to speak to us, to challenge us, and to help us become more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.